Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the She Said What podcast with your host, Alyssa Harper. That is me. Hello. I'm so excited about today's episode because this is something that I have had so much healing in and I've seen so much progress in for myself. Whether you guys have an eating disorder or used to have one or you don't have one, you never have, but you know that you haven't had the best relationship with food because of diet culture and all of these other things that we're going to get into, then this is the episode for you. I'm really excited and I think you guys are going to get some really solid advice from this podcast podcast and things that you can actually move forward with and try for yourself. And before we get into that, we're going to do the honest thought segment (laughs) where I basically share with you guys a very honest thought that I had this week. And it's going to be something that I usually want to see growth in. And I want to be like, oh my God, that's actually how I think, or something that I want to recognize because a lot of the time we have these little thoughts that come up and instead of going, oh, that's something I can work on, we feel shameful about it. Or we just kind of want to like brush it under the rug and move on. Basically, my goal is that we use these little thoughts to actually have some growth. So today's thought came out of a conversation that I had this week with somebody in my family. I won't name who it is. It doesn't really matter, but basically we were having this disagreement and instead of them supporting what they were trying to tell me with like, I don't know, evidence or whatever, just how they were feeling about it, they were pulling other people into it by saying, oh, this person agrees with me and this person agrees with me. And that's why you need to do this thing. What was interesting is when they started doing that, I had this little moment where I was like, oh my God, I have done that. And I don't don't think I can, I've done it recently. Like when I think about it, I can't picture myself in situations doing this now, but I definitely did it when I was younger. And I literally remember being in like a friend group and being say mad at one girl or whatever and being like talking to my other friends about it and going, oh, isn't this crazy that they're going this way and they're saying this and blah, 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 blah. And I'd want to get all my friends to agree with me so I could go back to that person. This is horrible. But so I could go back to this person and be like, you know what? You're wrong. And not only do I agree, this person and this person and this person and this person all agree. And basically you should feel bad enough that you should change what you think or what you're saying. And I... Like I had all these moments where I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my God, like that is a horrible way to respond to having a disagreement between two people. And what I find really interesting is now looking back, when I think to how I felt in those moments, it really came out of this like insecurity. Like I felt like, I wasn't strong enough in my argument or whatever I was trying to convince them of. So I was trying to grab all these people to kind of like bulk up my side of the story. Obviously, that's not a very productive way to have any kind of disagreement between two people because just because there's more people up against you doesn't mean it's going to force you to do something because likely you don't actually understand why that thing would be good for you or you don't, you're not actually hearing their points. You're not hearing reasoning. You're just, you just feel more bad because more people are against you. Anyways, I just thought that was a very interesting thought and I'm like hyper aware now if I ever do that and just to fully understand within myself, like that's not something that's going to help a disagreement. And if you see anyone else doing that in your life, know that that doesn't make them more right. If anything, what they'd be trying to do is to basically just try to make you feel really bad so that you agree with them, which obviously isn't going to give the correct or the best answer to the disagreement. There isn't going to be the best outcome that way. It's going to be driven from like this fear-based decision or out of this discomfort because you feel bad about how they're making you feel. Anyways, that's that on that. Um, 
before we get into it, I do want to say a quick little hello to anybody who is completely new to hearing my voice. Oh, here it is. Um, if you don't already follow me over on Instagram, this is this is where the whole this all started. It all started over there. Um, I post about health and wellness and fitness and Pilates and, you know, some essential oils and my food I like to eat and basically all the things that could potentially encourage you to live a better health healthier life where you love your body, you love to live in your body, and that's all I would ever want for you. So if you guys don't already follow me over there, go ahead over there at Alyssa Taylor Harper. It's A-L-Y-S-S-A, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, Harper, H-A-R-P-E-R, and that is my Instagram handle. A lot of the time when I will be doing podcasts or YouTube videos or anything like that, I'm asking the questions over on my Instagram. So if you want to be a part of it, connect over there and I'm looking forward to meeting you guys. All right. So to get us going today, I will be telling you guys quickly about what I'm going to be talking about. So I'm going to be talking about my history um, with disordered eating um, and then moving into intuitive eating, how I found that food freedom, what I do now, like some of my practices now, um, what you can do to kind of step in the right direction towards um, being able to find food freedom and intuitively eat because ultimately um, something along those lines is the goal because we don't want to be controlled by food. We want to be able to use food as a tool and to really enjoy it, to use it to fuel our bodies. And we really deserve that because we are human and all humans deserve to feel satisfaction um, in the food that they eat. And because we will be talking about some things around disordered eating, I want to let you guys know that if you are, you know, going through anything that is along the lines of an eating disorder, I'll be talking specifically about anorexia and bulimia. But if you're going through anything like that, please go talk to someone, talk to a professional. I definitely did. And that was definitely the first step and the biggest step I took to get better. So 100% do that. Don't just take my advice. Um, Please go see a professional. And also if it's something that you think could trigger you and potentially make the situation worse, again, maybe put this podcast to the side and listen to it at a later date. All right. So I guess starting at the kind of beginning, beginning when I was young, I never really had any issues with food. I didn't grow up with my parents um, being extremely restrictive for any specific reason. Um, They weren't, say, vegetarian or vegan, or there wasn't anything that um, made me feel... Um, like I didn't have a choice when it came to my food options growing up necessarily. I definitely can think back to like random comments that my parents would make or like things that would happen in my family, but pretty normal. Like, oh, why are you eating that before dinner? Like, cause I'm making dinner and I want you to enjoy it, that kind of thing, but nothing um, intense or I would say like unreasonable as well. There it was a history of eating disorders in my family um, with women in the family. Obviously I'm not gonna name any names, but it was definitely something that was like around me and I was definitely susceptible to it. I would say partly because of that. So I really got bad when I was maybe 13, 14 was when it was like, okay, this is actually an issue at the time. Some of you might not remember this. Some of you might have been a part of the Tumblr 
world, but that was definitely something that just pushed it and made it a lot worse. There were blogs very much dedicated to supporting people who were anorexic and helping them um, stay on track to being anorexic, which like looking back now um, is so intense. And I can only imagine if my parents and whatever knew that that was actually what I was looking at online, but it was like, it was like, you know, encouraging little passages saying like, you know, nothing looks better than how skinny feels like that kind of thing. I don't even know if I've I've like said that right, but it was stuff like that. And it was a really rough time. Um, I didn't really have any friends specifically going through it. Like it wasn't like I was a part of some big toxic friend group. It was, I think it was really just myself now that I look back. Um, and yeah, there was a lot to it. I would definitely restrict myself quite a bit. Um, if I ever ate too much or like, say we went out for dinner and I just like overate, cause sometimes you do that where you just binge, like I wouldn't eat all day or like I would maybe eat like an apple or something that was like a hundred calories max, that kind of thing. And then go out for dinner with the family and then eat a whole bunch. And then I'd want to purge after a lot of the time, which is, you know, just making myself throw up so that I could not have, I guess, those calories in me. And you'd kind of like automatically regret it, I guess is how you would explain it. But yeah, so it was very much like this, um, extreme one way or the other, like not eating anything or I'll eat like crazy, but then obviously it'd be a lot of shame and a lot of guilt that would be attached to that. Um, especially if it would then cause me to make myself throw up it was a really hard time in my life. And like, for example, just what I was just talking on, um, I experienced like vocal nodules and I was a singer. And so it it was a really big deal to me. And a big part of why I experienced, um, vocal nodules or I dealt with vocal nodules is because I had acid reflux. And so basically there's like a little valve that sits, um, to keep your stomach acid down, I guess is a way I could explain it. And when you consistently make yourself puke, it, becomes weak and it opens up quite a bit. Um, and it lets basically stomach acid splash up onto your esophagus and that then can track up towards your vocal cords. And anyways, it messed up a lot to do with my singing and it was a huge struggle for me. So again, looking back, it was a rough time. I was probably eating like 400 calories a day, maybe like somewhere around there. Um, I was just like forcing myself to do a lot of exercise that I didn't like. I remember I had like a little workout routine that I used to do like on the floor before I took a shower with like the door locked. Like this is like, I'm I'm telling you guys all the details. Like this is welcome to my diary, babe. Um, and it was, it was rough, you know, like I really forced myself to do that. And I just did everything I could to try to lose weight again. Like, it's not like it was even working. It was just, it was just a mess. Um, I had a lot of rules for myself. Like, oh, you're not allowed to eat chips. You're not allowed to drink pop today or like whatever it was or soda or whatever you would call it. And yeah, that was basically it. People started noticing. My family started noticing. They were like, you're not eating. Like we're making your food. You're not eating. I remember my mom made me a piece of toast once because I told her I would only eat like a plain piece of toast with nothing on it. And then she gave it to me and I brought it into the bathroom and I like crumpled it up and I threw it down the toilet. So your girl was not doing good. And I would say that was definitely like the lowest part for me. And then I guess going from there, I 
decided to get really into like fitness. And I think for me, I was like, look, after I'd been kind of seeing a counselor and all this kind of stuff for a while, I was like, I'm obviously, I don't want to get fat. That was my thing. It was like this big fear of getting fat, which obviously now I would never use that language. I would never think that way. Um, but I'm just, you know, trying to relay the story, um, accurately. That was like the big fear for me. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get into fitness. I'm going to make sure I'm like, I'm working out and I'm going to become someone who looks really fit and I'm going to make sure I'm eating, but I'm not going to be technically eating so many calories because I'm going to be burning it like through exercise. Like, I, I don't know. I think I thought I was like doing some crazy, um, math maneuver and I was just absolutely tricking the system. I was not. So basically I started tracking my calories so that I could understand that. And I could make sure that the, I guess the amount of calories going out was higher than the amount going in. Yeah. Not great. So I started using a calorie counting app and I used that. And then over, I guess the next few months where I was really doing that, honestly, probably a little bit longer than a few months, maybe like six months, potentially up to a year. Um, I was doing that and my doctors were like, look, you need to stop counting your calories because it's not helping you. And it's definitely making you feel very restricted. And, you know, it's, it's, encouraging that kind of like obsession. And they were like, you need to delete the app. And I remember like being in an appointment, deleting the app and being like, there, I've done it. Yes. And then like, I literally downloaded it when I left and it was like a bit of a, like an addiction almost, or at least looking back, it felt like that. And it kind of, um, resembled that in a sense. Once I finally agreed that tracking calories was toxic, at least for me, and it didn't work for me, I decided to start tracking my macros, which at the time was like kind of like a popular thing in the whole like fitness, like influencer kind of space. And because I always wanted to get into that, um, I was like, I gotta do that. I'm going to do what like, you know, the trend is. So I tracked my macros, which is like your fat protein and carbs. And you're basically tracking the percentage of how much you have that day. So you're not as controlling when it comes to calories a lot of the time or almost how much you eat. It's just making sure that you get enough grams of say protein or enough grams of healthy fats or whatever. Um, it was still restrictive because obviously I was counting like numerically my food intake. Um, I think it was probably better than calorie tracking, but it still was not good. The other problem with that is like, I was constantly looking at labels, which, you know, I think it is a positive thing to be able, if you were in the right mind space or mindset to look at your labels, look what's on your food and like, know what's in your food, maybe when it comes to the ingredients, but if you're there turning over like a protein bar and going, oh my God, the gram, like grams of fat ratio to protein doesn't fit my macros. I can't eat it, but like, it is a pretty healthy thing. It's literally like a healthy version of say like a chocolate bar or whatever. It's this protein bar. Like you have a bit of a problem, you know? The other problem I think with tracking my macros is that you're not tracking, um, the micronutrients and the, say the vitamins and all those things that's actually, that are really like inside of your food, all the things that you need to be thinking of getting when you're looking at like nutrition and diet, which obviously at the time I didn't really know, or I guess I didn't really prioritize. I was just like wanting to keep my weight down. Like that was still the obsession. 
And I think when I finally realized that it was having such a big hold on my mindset and like my mentality around food, I was like, okay, you know what? That's it. No more tracking. I actually deleted the app on purpose. Like I chose to do it. And from there, like, I would like to say that I, at that point I was like, yeah, I'm definitely healed from the eating disorder stuff. I've definitely moved on, whatever, but I would just go through seasons where it would come up again. And it was like, kind of like this yo-yo dieting. Um, and it was, it was a mess. Like it was definitely a bit of unhealthy eating. Suddenly I would realize like, oh my gosh, I've gained two pounds or something, which is first of all, so dumb because you're going to fluctuate even in one day, let alone a week or a month, especially with women when it comes to like your menstrual cycle, how that all plays a role in your weight. Like guys, don't weigh yourself day to day and think that it's accurate or helping you. Like it's just not okay. (laughs) But I would do that and I would literally weigh myself and be like, oh my gosh, I've gained two pounds. And so then I would go on like some weird diet, like I would do a juice cleanse or I would be like vegetarian or pescatarian or I would do the intermittent fasting or I would do like like a celery diet or I would say no sugar or no fat or no saturated fat or no chips or no salt. Like it would just be some sort of rule that would make me feel like I had control um, because I think a lot of the time it did just come down to uh, this like lack of control and this big fear of becoming overweight, which looked like I really never was. I like I was never really overweight, not especially not from preteen years and past then. Like I've never been overweight. It's just like this irrational thing that, I mean, we we can talk about where it comes from for forever, um, for a long time and how it's very much ingrained into like diet culture and just like society in general. But yeah, like it was an irrational fear for sure. Saying all of that, I guess I would look at those last kind of few years before I started intuitive eating as like yo-yo dieting is what I would call it. Um, Less of the like intense anorexia stuff, but still pretty like just unhealthy. And I didn't have that food freedom and I didn't have that healthy mindset around eating, which is what I actually want to talk about now, where I'm at now. And where like this kind of started maybe probably say two years ago. So I guess this journey I've been on where I've actually began to find that food freedom and to actually talk about what you guys can do and what intuitive eating is and how you guys can actually start to follow it and find that for yourself as well. So what is intuitive eating? Um, Intuitive eating is not a diet and it's not any one particular way of eating as in like it's not, you know, just vegetarianism. It's not just one particular way. Um, It's going to look different for everybody. It doesn't have focus as um, weight as the outcome is another big pillar. So it's not a weight loss plan. If anyone tells you that, intuitive eating is your next step to losing 50 pounds, then you better run because that's, that's not the vibe here to give you a bit of like a history here. So intuitive eating was created by these two dietitians, these two women. Um, it's been researched over the last few decades. Basically they were working as dietitians. They were giving people diet plans and people were coming back and saying that they had failed with a diet and people were self blaming and, you know, saying it's all my fault and I'm just not strong enough, but it was happening for everyone. And as dietitians, they were thinking like, look, if our plans aren't actually helping anyone and we're giving people these ideal situations, but no one's actually able to live it. And they're just putting themselves through all this kind of like shame and guilt that they can't do it. Then something needs to change and we can't keep prescribing people this same plan. And so 
this is where the whole intuitive eating thing kind of started to come into play because diet culture sets us up to believe that if we can't stick to a particular diet, then there's something wrong with us. And, you know, they'd seen this over and over and they knew that it wasn't the case because we aren't created as robots and we aren't meant to be able to follow these perfect plans down to the calorie because it's not how we work, especially because we fluctuate so much. So truly what we need is going to change. It's actually going to change day to day, month to month, year to year. One of uh, the quotes that they actually have on their website there is, intuitive eating is a compassionate self-care framework that treats all bodies with dignity and respect. Um, And I really love that because I love that it's compassionate. I love that it takes our humanness into account. Um, And I like that it comes down to treating your body with respect and actually giving your body what it wants. It's not denying you of what your body wants, which is what so many diets do. And it's what's encouraged within diet culture. Basically, if you go onto their website, intuitiveeating.org, you can read about the 10 principles of intuitive eating. An example of one of the principles is that you should challenge the food police and you shouldn't be having this good food versus bad food. And basically what you want to do is you want to challenge those foods. So for me, for example, one of my bad foods when I was in um, my kind of like anorexic state that whole time of my life was like I wasn't allowed to eat chips. That was like one of the rules I made for myself. And so for me, an example of how to heal from that is to actually go and challenge that and to purposely sit down and eat chips, not just when I finally crack and I have to have it or just when I'm craving it so bad, but when I actually just kind of want it, just letting myself having it and maybe not having a whole bag and having this crazy binge fest, but being able to sit down and just have it and enjoy it and, and recognize how I'm feeling in that moment and to actually work on how it actually makes me feel. So fixing um, the actual root issue there and the guilt that comes with it, not necessarily making it about the chips. And look, if you have never had an eating disorder or you've never had these thoughts before, it can sound crazy. And I get that. It can sound um, like it's really dramatic or like really strange to talk about a specific food in this way. But when you are in it, like it feels like that. It feels scary to eat something that you have created this rule for yourself. And it is it is rooted in so many deeper issues, like feeling that disappointment for yourself or that guilt towards yourself and for the decisions that you've made, um, especially if it doesn't align with the original intent that you had for yourself. But we need to heal it. We need to work through it because any continuous behavior that we have that tells us that we can't trust ourselves really just pulls us further away from our intuition. And it makes it harder to act on what our intuition is telling us because we become further and further away from that. So again, even though it's like a bowl of chips and it's a lot there alongside like a pretty balanced diet, it's that, that feeling, that need to punish yourself and feeling guilty and thinking like, oh my God, get those chips away from me. Like I'm going to eat them. It's that feeling of not being able to trust yourself. So basically intuitive eating is a practice that needs to be practiced and it's a tool for healing your relationship with food. And like I said, in the kind of original description I gave of intuitive eating, I want to touch again on how it is for everybody and it can go along with any way of living and any diet. So we all want to feel good in our bodies and this will look different person to person, which makes a lot of sense because obviously we're all different. We all are bio-individual and have our own needs. So it can obviously include someone who is vegan, um, but it can also include you if you're definitely not vegan. Um, So it's very open and it's more so a tool you can use alongside any diet. 
And we all need some of these practices in our lives, especially if we struggle in this area. Like I'm not saying by the end of this episode, you need to say, oh, I'm an intuitive eater now, but potentially you can use some of these things to help you recognize that like food is nourishment and it's good for your body and it's important to have the right foods. And there's actually a really healthy way to do that mentally as well. It doesn't have to be this like yo-yo effect. It can actually be something that is consistent and fulfilling and something you can actually really begin to enjoy again if it's something you struggle with. Food is nourishment and it's culture and it's pleasurable and it's nostalgic and it's emotional. And there are so many elements that, you know, we could go on and on about food that a lot of the time we don't take into account day to day. We connect it with our past experiences and our past hobbies. And it also has like a moral component to it, especially if you're looking at something like veganism, for example, like if it has an effect on the environment or whether or not it was alive at some point, like that's going to affect your choices, um, regardless of if you are vegan or not, like you see, you still think about those things when you're eating the food, even if you don't realize it, like it is in your mind because you do have the knowledge to know if something was living or not. I'm not personally like 100% vegan by any means. Um, I just think it's important to recognize that like that is there for everyone in some sense. (laughs) So yeah, there's no judgment where you land on this. Um, I just want you to know that it is a space for everyone and it isn't um, anti any diet. So it's not saying don't be vegan. You have to be able to eat meat because your body wants you to have it sometimes. It's not saying that. Um, It's not anti anything. It can be used alongside anything, if anything. Does that make sense? Yeah. Another thing I thought was really interesting when I first started learning about this is that we are actually born this way. We are born intuitive eaters. You see this in babies, for example, who know how much milk to drink and they never overfeed themselves. You know, they cry when they need food. They are aware of their needs. So interesting. And then also you'll see even in young children as well, as they start to move into um, mirroring behavior and they have these tendencies where they start to lose some of their... um, like their abilities and their things that they're kind of born with, which we see obviously with children development and we can get into that (laughs) another time, but we see children do it where they push away their food when they're done with it. And especially before they can speak, like they try to communicate as well as they can, that they're actually done, which I think is so interesting, so crazy. And the problem there is that we start to mirror as we start to develop, um, the behavior we see around us. And a lot of the behaviors that the adults and the people in our lives around us at that age have come from diet culture and diet culture is many things. I would say the general consensus is that there's, um, the goal to lose weight. Like typically if you've lost weight, people are going to compliment you on it in comparison to if you gain weight, people aren't going to go, Oh my God, you look so good. You've gained all this weight. Like, you know, it, it could potentially make someone look better. You never know. Like sometimes obviously people are looking very thin and it can make them look, you know, not how they actually want to look, but people can gain weight and then potentially say, have that fullness back in their face or whatever it is that does to change their appearance. Um, the point is, is that it's not always going to be the best thing for someone's health. Someone very well could be underweight and they need to gain weight. Someone could also very well be overweight and then losing weight because they are sick or something like that. And again, this is why we probably shouldn't be commenting on each other's weight really ever because you never know what's going on and you never want to encourage um, toxic behavior in anybody. 
But I think it's just important to point out like intuitive eating with the absence of diet culture is just eating. And to get more into even like the facts and the kind of stats around it, this is something that's been formally researched since the 90s. And it's been clinically observed as well. And some of the things, for example, that have been found, and I've even seen this in myself, um, but this is some of this is from the website, if you're wondering where I'm um, sourcing my information from their website. And also, yes, things that I've kind of seen in myself as well. And I'll talk about that. So people, when practicing intuitive eating, were found to have a more diverse dietary pattern, so less rigidity in their diet, which of course is important so that we're getting all the different nutrients that we need um, that potentially we can't get all in you know, one meal or all in one day. That's why it's important that we're switching up our diet. They were found to have better cholesterol levels, better balanced blood glucose levels, lower incidence of binge eating and emotional eating, which is obviously very normalized in um, diet culture. For example, even having cheat days. I don't know if any of you guys use that. And look, it's like, it's not the end of the world. If it works for you, it works for you. Personally, I have found that it can be toxic because you are telling yourself like, okay, here's the bad food I'm going to eat on these days on my naughty days when I'm being bad. And mm, look, I don't think it's the healthiest thing, but that's just me. I will leave that there. They were found to have increased body image and body appreciation, which is just amazing. Um, body weight stability, better body weight stability, which is obviously important for your health. And I want to point, this isn't necessarily saying that people were, you know, losing 20 pounds, then staying at their goal weight. It just means that you are, they were generally found in this study to have a consistent weight, which is important for your health because obviously yo-yo dieting and doing these things where you're constantly fluctuating in your weight can be really bad for your health. When talking about weight and how mine has been affected when it comes to intuitive eating, again, I don't want to promote this at all as a weight loss program because I just, that's not the goal. If you are doing this for the sake of losing weight, like I just, I don't think it's the right intention and I don't know if it's going to work for you. Like that's definitely not why it worked for me. Um, saying all that, I did lose about 10 pounds, which again, is not like the cr a crazy amount, but I was never really overweight. Um, I was generally at that point, again, like I said, about two years ago, like yo-yo dieting, I was never overweight, but I was just kind of like not super stoked about my weight. I just wasn't like, you know, wasn't like at my goal weight. Whereas once I started intuitive eating and I started actually listening to my body for what it wanted, that's when I started listening and I started hearing things like, oh, gluten actually isn't amazing for me. And dairy products actually isn't amazing for me. And eating these big portions was actually making me feel really sick and lethargic. And all these things that I wouldn't have heard unless I started doing this intuitive eating approach. And I think in the long run, that's why I lost weight. But I didn't necessarily change anything in the sense of like, I took out one specific food, if that makes sense. So yeah, look, it can definitely help you lose weight, but that shouldn't be the goal. And, um, it did for me. And like I said, like I look the best I've ever looked and I feel the best I have ever felt. And that's definitely what's most important is that mindset shift. And that part of me that goes like, when I wake up and I think, okay, what do I want to eat for breakfast? My, I'm not tempted to go and eat a bacon and egg roll, for example. I'm not sitting there going, oh, I have to have avocado toast, even though I want to have a bacon and egg roll. Because the days that I really want a bacon and egg roll, I just have it. 
But generally, when I'm thinking, I want to make sure that I'm really enjoying today, I want to make sure that I feel energized for whatever I need to do when I'm reading and I'm sitting down and I'm working on stuff and I want to have a clear mind, I know already, because I've listened to my body in the past, that a bacon and egg roll doesn't do that for me. I know that gluten often causes me to have brain fog, which is just like kind of like a messy kind of brain where I feel tired, fatigued, whatever. I know that for myself. I know that a lot of the time that happens when I have meat as well. I know it will hurt my tummy. It'll make me feel bloated. It will kind of mess with my day a little bit. Like I know it's a little bit of a treat and I'm enjoying it, but I also know that it's not actually going to serve me. And so because I actually know that and I've listened to myself in the past, I actually want the gluten-free toast and I want the avocado on the gluten-free toast with, you know, my spices and my my herbs and all that. And that's what I want because I know how it makes me feel. And then I've obviously trained my body as well to really enjoy the taste of all these foods. And obviously avocado toast is just yum anyways, but even things like salads and stuff that I used to kind of like struggle to get through. Now I really enjoy it because I know how it makes me feel and my body's asking me for it. It's actually starting to crave it now. So I just want to encourage you with that. Like, and I'm going to talk now a little bit about some of the fears that people have going into this um, way of eating and why people, a lot of the time, I guess the misconceptions around intuitive eating, where that comes from. Um, If you are sitting here and you're going, okay, great. But if I let myself eat whatever I want, I'm just going to eat trash. I want you to know that that isn't true. (laughs) And if you actually begin to listen to your body, you will realize what your body actually wants. And your body is not going to lead you to eat crap all day, every day. It's not because you will learn that it doesn't feel good on your body. So I want you to know, which is one misconception that people talk about is intuitive eating is not anti health. It's not eat whatever you want. It's not, you know, shovel pizza down your mouth and you're going to lose weight. Like it's nothing to do with that. It really is saying that you can actually trust your body to tell you what it wants. I think that it's really interesting that our automatic thought is if you can have whatever you want, you're going to blow it. I think it's a really interesting thought because it means that we have so deeply ingrained into our minds that we cannot trust ourselves, that we need to rely on some form of order or diet or whatever. And we can't actually trust our own intuition, but we can, like we were born with it. We have it in us. So don't let yourself fall into that because that's not true. It's, it's a complete lie. Even if you started this and the first two weeks which would be, honestly, I don't think this could ever happen, but say you did this first two weeks, you just ate craft dinner and chocolate bars and lollies and like pop and you drank alcohol 24 seven and you did that for two weeks straight. I'm telling you by the end of it, you would feel so gross that you'd be like, oh my God, I am craving like a carrot. I just need something. My body needs something and you will crave it. And even if you did this for two weeks straight and you gained five pounds, for example, if that seems like the worst thing that could ever happen to you, if the idea of doing this and doing the whole intuitive eating thing and you potentially gaining five pounds, if that makes you go absolutely not crippled with fear and anxiety, that could never happen to me. That's the worst thing that could ever happen. That is something we want to address. That is a diet culture message that you've received and you've held on to your for, for yourself. And that's actually something we need to push against because that is fat phobia and that's not going to help your journey. 
The more you realize how fat phobic you probably are without even realizing it, like, oh my God, it affects how you see yourself. It affects how you see yourself in the future. It like, it's going to come up when you least expect it. And why not work on that now? Like I think for myself, even personally, when I want to have babies in the future and my body's going to potentially change, or I guess potential is not the right word there because my body is going to change. Um, I don't want to have to deal with those issues then. Like I want to be able to focus on my baby and my future and balancing my life and everything else that would be going on in that crazy time of my life. I don't want to be sitting there freaking out about how I look, to be honest. Um, it's not a shameful thing to go through as a new mother, but I don't want that to be my prime issue. (laughs) I want to be able to work through those things now, kind of like preemptively. So saying that, um, intuitive eating is not anti-weight loss. So there is a balance here because some people for the sake of their health do need to lose weight. Like There are, and I'm sure most of us can agree on this, there are a lot of studies that prove why having this excess fat on your body is not good for your blood and all the systems in your body that will be affected by this. Um, It is a big cause of a lot of the kind of like leading disease and a lot of the leading killers in today's society. A lot of the diseases that people die from nowadays are preventable um, and are treatable through diet. But generally we tend to put a lot of medications on top of it and we just kind of, I guess, band-aid the issue. This is a whole topic and we're not going to go too much into it, but I just want to make it clear that intuitive eating is not anti-weight loss because Obviously, some people do need that for the sake of their health, and there can be a healthy balance when you're working through intuitive eating where you are also losing weight, um, as long as there's that healthy balance. I hope that makes sense because I want you to know, no, it's not like the goal shouldn't be some crazy weight loss journey potentially. It shouldn't be the only goal, at least, I should say, Um, especially if you don't necessarily need to lose weight, but it's also not anti-weight loss, because of course, if you need to lose weight, why would we want to stop that? You know, anyways, all in all, intuitive eating celebrates body diversity and respect for the body. So if you are someone who has a, a bigger set body or like, you know, when people say like, well, you're, you're, you're bigger boned, like <laughs> that kind of thing, even for myself, like I grew up with a lot of friends that were really skinny and I remember always feeling like the bigger one, but like, I wasn't big by any means. Like if anything, I was more like the average, like I was like five, four, like, you know, not overweight, not underweight, just kind of like in the middle. I had like, you know, thighs and like a bottom <laughs> and you know I didn't really have any boobs so I like proportionally I wasn't really happy about it at the time and I was just like really you know average you know whereas I had a lot of friends that were like proper proper skinny like I am telling you I don't know how I ended up in that friend group I really wasn't good for me I don't think <laughs> like even the things from like childhood where it's like you know who's going on the bottom of the pyramid like it was me it, it was me <laughs> so anyways it's funny now um at the time though I don't know if it was the best thing for me um but I never needed you know I didn't actually need to lose weight but if I had needed to lose weight I wouldn't have wanted anyone to try to like stop that so 
before I give you your little challenge of the week, I guess I should say, or your challenge leaving this podcast, um, I just want to thank you guys for listening so far and for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, I think it's really important that we share our stories and I think it's really important that we share with people what we've learned from our experiences because I know that I have personally gained so much insight and I've just like learned so much through strangers that share their story on the internet. It makes you feel like you're not the only one and it helps you find steps to know what to do going forward when you find yourself in these situations. So again, thank you for being here. Um, like I said, at the start of the podcast, if you guys want to connect over on Instagram, that's where I hang out mostly. My Instagram handle will be in the show notes. And then if you guys wanted to find me on YouTube as well, where I've actually already kind of done this information session, um, over on YouTube. I did a video about this, but I'm kind of, what I'm doing right now is I'm balancing the YouTube and the podcast together. If anything kind of applies podcast wise, I'll do it podcast. If it applies more to a video, I'll do a video. And if I think I want to do both, I might kind of do both. It's more just for the sake of accessibility for you guys. Um, which was something I had a bit of a bit of a little poll about on my um, story and you guys wanted the podcast as well. So here we are. And yes, thank you for being here. I really, really appreciate it. And leaving from today, what I want you to challenge yourself to do is ask yourself, what did you learn and how can you go forward with an even healthier mindset around eating? I think regardless of if you've dealt with an eating disorder in the past, you have been affected by diet culture in some way, especially if you clicked on this podcast today it's at least somewhat in the forefront of your mind that it has affected you in some way. And so how can you consider food differently? How can you assess what you're eating a little bit differently? And how can you find more of that freedom? What would food freedom look like for you if you could push that even further? And if you guys want like the deep dive approach to working on this, if you've, you know, listen, you've sat here for what, half an hour at least, and you've listened to all this, take the extra time, take maybe an extra five minutes and think about any messages that you have received from diet culture that you don't like, like literally any message and ask yourself where they came from. Like, is it just a society thing or did it come from a parent? Did it come from a sister? Did it come from a specific influence that you had growing up? And when you find the root, I find that can really help you go, you know what? That's why I th I think that way. And I can have grace for myself and I can understand why I would think that way, but I can actually change that. And it helps you, I guess, feel empowered to know where to create that original shift. And then, yeah, if you can think about what food freedom means for you and you can write that down, you can envision that as well. You can really focus on that. And I think that's a really great step moving forward. Thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it, guys. This is like so fun for me. And I'm really excited to be going forward in this journey. I really wanted to do something that was accessible to a lot of you. So that's why this is going to be available on multiple streaming platforms. Um, something that isn't the video form so that you guys can just chill out, go on a walk, listen to this whenever you, what, with whatever you're doing, um, which I love to do with podcasts. So I totally get you guys wanting the podcast version of this as well. And thank you for being here. Connect with me over on Instagram. Let's become friends. Like uh, if we don't know each other, let's know each other. Like I want to know your stories. Um, 
if you guys have any questions, of course, I'm so willing to answer questions over on Instagram and I'm doing some fun stuff on my stories all the time anyways. So let's just hang out. All right. That's basically it. Thanks for being here. I will see you in the next episode. Bye guys. Bye.